Hello, and welcome to a podcast. I'm Mitchell Regan, and with me as always is Teresa Stoddard. Hello, Teresa. Hi. Today, we're going to go ahead and talk about Martin Scorsese's newest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. You'll notice we didn't have our quippy intro today because I feel like this is a topic that should be taken seriously. So I'm going to go ahead and run down some of the history that we're going to talk about, and then um, we can go from there. All right, go ahead. Start us off. All right. So he demonstrates the poetry of indigenous culture and the killers of the flower moon. The The Osage tribe were among the wealthiest people due to oil-rich land near Pahuska, Oklahoma. This is a true account of the atrocities that took place in the years between 1921 and 1926, and is based on the Osage Reign of Terror. The Osage people received a head right defined as a share of the mineral trust, which was distributed quarterly. Most were deemed incompetent and could only receive their head right if their guardian was present, this could be a neighbor or relative, but was another way white people hoarded wealth. Wasting sickness, or diabetes as it's known today, was rampant due to government subsidization on food on the reservation. Lard and sugar is so delicious and abundant, but it's also devoid of necessary nutrition. So it's fine as part of a varied diet, but to give them so much of it... It's a bad thing. This is just like the U.S. government killing off all of the buffalo, a species revered by indigenous people and relied on not only for its meat, but the entire animal to be put to use. Indigenous people live in harmony with the land, something we've not quite figured out. William Hale, Ernest Burkhart, and John Ramsey carried out a majority of the crimes, although some do remain unsolved. There's a variation online, I'm finding 25 to 60 um, deaths, murders, but it, it is assumed that upwards of 100 people lost their lives due to this in just a short time between 1921 and 1926, so five years. and. 100 lives. And Native women and children go missing at a much higher rate than any other subsection of the population. And the authorities turn a blind eye and ignore them calling them runaways or high risk. This is intentional and this is hate. The flower of the killers of the flower moon is based on the book, and Mitchell will tell you more about that. Um, Scorsese based it on this book that cannot even be taught in the same Oklahoma schools that reside in the state in which it takes place. In 1925, Congress passed a law prohibiting non-Osage from inheriting head rights or possessing if they possess less than half Osage blood. 
in attempts to stop another reign of terror from occurring. During May, the Oklahoma hills are covered with flowers, and those blooms die because taller plants crowd them out. The Osage refer to it as the flower-killing moon. It was a metaphor for Anna's murder. The Osage people consider the moon their mother, the sun their grandfather, and the fire their father. And that'll get us started here today. That was wonderful. Thank you very much. That was really well said. It needs to be told because I was... I didn't know any of this. The movie opens beautifully saying how the Osage people were so rich in their culture, so rich in their just immense wealth that was brought to them by the oil. And it was just decimated by white people, as we are wont to do. Yeah, the film even opens with the elders um, in... Uh, their meeting place. Oh, yes, lamenting because their next generation, the children, are not going to know their language. They're not going to know their customs. They're not going to know their traditions because they're being whitewashed. And I really like the fact that both Scorsese and DiCaprio were speaking the native language. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, just to add to your wonderful outline there, uh, not much to it, but the the book that Scorsese, um, he he even said he read it and read it almost akin to the way that Lin Manuel read the uh, the Hamilton biography. Yes, um, you can feel it, and it even says that like he spent so much of his life wanting to tell this story. As a, I just wanted to credit the author. Absolutely. Uh, David Grant's book, Killers of the Flower Moon, depicts a lot um, of the crimes that occurred. Um, but if we can go a little bit more into the film um, aspect of it, and then from there maybe we could share uh, plot details and then uh, kind of our takeaway from the, the movie. So, uh, like, as we said, this is uh, Martin Scorsese's, gosh, um, if you include... So I checked, and director-wise, this would be his 67th film. I was going to say, if you include... Now, if you include everything, it's in the 800s or the 600s. It's just immense. Well, because he's also directed, um, which maybe might be something we get into in a future podcast, uh, because I personally have a deep admiration for Martin Scorsese's work. Um, but he's he's directed music videos. He's done several uh, documentaries. As you can tell from the story, he loves history. Yes, you can feel his love of film, of history, of everything about the movie-making process. Um, but the, we also have uh, Eric Roth, who wrote the original screenplay before Martin Scorsese uh, rewrote it at the behest of Leonardo DiCaprio. The original Eric Roth screenplay uh, is fascinating because it honestly depicts um, Leonardo DiCaprio 
as Jesse Plemons' character as one of the first agents of the FBI. Now, who would be DiCaprio's part? He did not have a part. Oh. That the the nephew of uh, De Niro's character, who was the awful, devilish, like demon character, um, was our like antagonist of the film. He was still in it. That is the William Hale, William King Hale. Uh, but so it depicted DiCaprio as Jesse Plemons' agent, and it was more of a like crime thriller. Meanwhile, this is more much more respectful of the lives lost. It's more told from of the no. victims' perspective of, and it's not even really just like it's a story based upon this awful. Um, Osage, um, uh, how did you put it? Um, the Reign, a of, reign terror. of Terror. Yes. But it's also kind of uh, broadly... That's what the American history books that actually report American history call it. I, being from Florida, you being from New York, we've never heard of this. Right. Um, and now they're trying to teach... They walk down the Trail of Tears happy to give the settlers their land. Right. Just like, you know, the pilgrims feasted with them and then slaughtered them. Well, I, I just wanted to mention um, that this this film rightly, I feel like, paints a little bit of a broader brush. Not only is it the, the microcosm of this specific event, that I feel like that this film, even if you think that there are issues with it, like tons of people complained about the runtime, I feel like this, this film isn't important film. It flies by. What is the exact runtime? Three hours. Three hours and oh, 25 minutes. Yes. Now, I've got ADHD. I don't watch long movies. That's too much. I was complaining about The Exorcist feeling too long. So I was just a little bit nervous going in to a three-hour movie, which was my first, oh, it's three hours. And then Mitchell's like, it's three hours, 25 minutes. And I'm like, what? And I also had no idea what it was about. In my head, it was about like this hippie journey where like there's a mm. killing spree. Because that's just what it depicted to me. Right. With the title itself. Um, before I forget, just talking about flowers and moons themselves, mm -hmm. the last shot in the movie pans out from a celebration of the Osage people. And then it turns into the moon in a shape of a flower. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll have a larger discussion about the way the movie does end. At least, I'd, I'd like to have yes, one. The imagery I think, is well, the and, the final shot. Yeah. But I'd also like to talk about just the unique. That was so unexpected. Yeah, guys, this one's a spoiler. <laughs> well, this whole thing will be a spoiler. So, if you have not seen it, please watch it. Because we are going to talk about the plot in detail. Uh, we are going to dive into very specific aspects. But the one thing I did want to mention before we go on, the one thing I do love about this is not only is it the depiction of the microcosm of the Osage people and the specific travesty that occurred, but he really paints a broader brush, brush by kind of even talking about the foundation of the 
country that he loves so much and has been an amazing foundational filmmaker for and how that we have come in gutted indigenous lands like made these people to suffer you mentioned the the diabetes epidemic that we have brought like as people of european descent who felt that they were entitled to this land that was already owned by the indigenous people even not counting our intentional trauma that we brought on everyone is just the sicknesses the different illnesses we brought right so from now on um that, that was probably as vague as we can be without really discussing the in-depth but i really want to get to the in-depth part we're going to talk about each character we're going to talk about each performance um but if you don't mind do you think you can give us just maybe a little bit of a synopsis of the plot i know you did an amazing job with the i feel like the history really speaks for itself here so he had very much um so much to go off of although it's unknown by so many so it's almost like like something undiscovered yet we should have all known this all along but i really wanted to focus on the indigenous joy in this okay do you do you mind if i just do a brief synopsis that's absolutely i just didn't want to let it go by that like so many things so many stories we'll go in depth about that. that yeah are just so focused on the negative and the the hell that we brought that they right. don't focus on just the joy and the love of the culture. Right. Um, and I'll even bring up, speaking on that, there have been criticisms of the film that says that it is told for more of like, that these people were people without agency, that these were people who were just oppressed. Um, even so much that one of the actresses from um, Alora Reservation Dogs, Reservation Dogs um, I forgot the actress's name, who um, plays Alora. But she had uh, has been outspoken about the film because she feels that, and we could we could do that, but we now won't even she do it. it. This isn't our lane to speak has. in. No, it's not. But um, that being said. I do think care was taken, but so much of this was such a genocide that we it it's hard can't not to hold with kid gloves. So let me get into just a brief synopsis, uh, ever so brief. Um, the film starts with uh, obviously we, we discussed the elders, dis- um, not only mourning the fact that there is this incursion of these white settlers coming in um but there's also the discovery of oil on their land which is what brings in beautiful scene yes oh the shot so wonderful i love when martin scorsese does slow motion um we'll talk more about specific things that he does that are just capstones of his work i did want to mention just that little part um there it starts out just in their native tongue right we don't know what they're saying directly but we we do because they give us subtitles actually um closed captioning but i was hoping it would stick around for the whole movie but you know and i think 
I think it's a really cool choice throughout the whole movie. The the, oh, the yes. specific um the specific decisions on when we are able to see what they're saying versus when we're not. Yeah, it's like figure it out or don't. I don't care. We're right. not catering this to you. Um the pipe person is what I wanted to oh, yeah. bury that. Like that's so outside of like anything I know and like I was so interested. I would like watch a whole movie just about that. Right. Uh so after this discovery of oil, uh, white settlers move in. Um, I love the shifting of the black and white to into color, and that's where we put into perspective Ernest Burkhart, who's played by the lead uh, male actor in the movie, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I do want to add, he's kissing a 37-year-old. That may be a first for him. <laughs> that's possibly true. Sorry if we're going to cut each other off a lot in this pod, in this episode especially, and we might get shouty because we are so pumped. We just finished watching this. Yeah. We ran right home to, I wrote up the little beginning part, and we're just so happy to share this with you guys. So I want to try to real quick finish the rest of this. So he, now he's, he's returning <laughs> home from a war. Um, I think we're led to believe it's World War One. He goes to see his uncle, played by the great Robert De Niro, now, I think both Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, this is their fourth film with Martin Scorsese as their direct, their lead director. Well, how much overlaps? Uh, Have they ever I been think, together? Oh, a couple of times. They've been together a couple of times. But I don't think with uh, this is their first film with Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro. Mm. So this is the first time that all three have overlapped. They've been in movies before, but uh, matter of fact, uh, sorry, I keep going on tangents. I really want to finish this plot. Well, it's our podcast, so I know. <laughs> but I'll um, allow it. Uh, Robert De Niro was in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, gosh, I'll have to look it up and see. But he told Martin Scorsese about how talented of an actor he thought Leonardo DiCaprio was, and that he cast him in the next movie, which I think was Gangs of New York, which was one of the first ones he worked I've with. I've actually seen that, which is really surprising. That is surprising. I've never seen it. Okay, we'll have to watch that. Oh, it, yeah. It is a bloodfest. It just rains. But I really liked it. This one, while it was so many deaths, it was not gratuitous. It was not gore. There were right. some disgusting parts to it, but it was very respectful, in my opinion. So, to finish off the plot, so he sees... um. William King Hale, again played by Robert De Niro. Um, and Robert De Niro basically explains to him, hey, this is a great place to live, uh, but you need to get yourself wifed up. You need to find someone who is of a first world Native American descent. He doesn't say it so politely. No, he seems polite at first when it comes to all of these matters, but it digs in quickly. Um, and then very quickly, uh, Ernest meets uh, the other lead, the lead actress of this movie, uh, Lily Gladstone, who Whole we show. will talk about endlessly. We will this, not watch anything with her in it. This has now become a Lily Gladstone uh, fan podcast. Stan account. Stan account. <laughs> uh, but she plays the character Molly Burkhart. Uh, she is part of this 
um, family who has inherited full-blooded Osage, full um, family uh, with uh, her matriarch, uh, Lizzie Q, played by, uh, there's a lot of Osage uh, tribes, people that uh, Martin Scorsese cast in this, which uh, one of them is Tantu Cardinal, uh, who plays the matriarch of the family, along with sisters Anna, played by Kara Jade Myers. A brief but amazing role. Oh, she does a great job. Uh, Rita, played by uh, Janae Collins. And Millie. And I think Minnie. Minnie, you're right. Minnie, played by Jillian Dion. Um, over the course of the of several crimes, uh, her sisters uh, die because they have a great deal of land and money that um, William Hale wants to inherit through his nephew Ernest. Um, until eventually Ernest tries killing his own wife, Molly. And Albeit then, not intentionally. No, it's... It would have 100% been his fault, but it would have been, like, second degree or manslaughter, I think. He's really stuck, and a lot of the film deals with... Um, we'll get into this a little bit more. Leonardo DiCaprio's... Gaslighted and brainwashed by... Well, between the machinations of his uncle and the real love for his wife and his children. Without that... This movie would have no redemption. Right. The character would be, you just want them all annihilated. <laughs> um, so in the midst of him, I would say, unintentionally, intentionally killing his wife, um, we also discover that the uh, national government, um, because this film is also about the first case ever about the newly formed agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, sends for their first investigation are these Osage murders. Um, and the uh, Tom White, who is the lead agent, I would say, um, is sent to um, investigate these murders. So he shows up at um, Ernest's door. Uh, they obviously, through uh, interrogation and investigation, they find um, William Hale, Ernest Burkhart, and a lot of the collaborators are guilty. Um, that other man is um, notably John Ramsey. John Ramsey as Although well. Although it's believed that many others were right. complicit. Well, his brother is also that. complicit, like Byron. Yeah. Um, and uh, the film ends ultimately with a confrontation between Molly and Ernest, where Ernest, ironically, to the detriment of his own name, could not be honest about um, how he was instrumental in the, um, like you said, attempted manslaughter on his own wife. And she knew. And she knew, and she walks out on him. And then the film decides to do quite a fascinating um kind of recap of the story. Three words for you. True crime Broadway. Yeah. 
it's like a, a production almost. The sound effects were so cool. Yeah, it's like a it, it's like a very reminiscent of like a nineteen forties nineteen fifties radio drama, where very um, yes, yeah, very fourth wall breaking. Uh, even to the extent of the last lines of the mm-hmm. whole film are delivered by the director and screenwriter Martin Scorsese, and just uh, discussing the fate of everyone involved and the the injustice that happened to uh, Molly Burkhart, her family, and the Osage people. And I would say that pretty much wraps up the plot outline. So we could go through several different avenues in which to talk about our love for the film. But I, I want to just start with the simplest way. Um, and that is, what was your, what, what, how did you feel about it? What was your thoughts when you watched it? This was a hard-hitting movie. It's required viewing. Gotta watch it. Um, I was on the verge of tears the entire movie. Hmm. Just the entire time. I feel like I didn't let out a breath until the movie was over. And even then, it was a very solemn one at that. Um, So it's it's over three hours long. Yes. Which is very... There was... So much room Oper- apprehensive for it to go wrong for a lot of people, and I know a lot of people in my own life uh, have said that they were going to wait until they're able to break it up. Um, I, but I feel like that would be doing a great disservice to it. I I agree, and I want to shout out um, the film editor, who I feel like kept the pace of the movie going even though it was the the length of the film um, was over three hours. And that is Thelma Schoonmaker, Thelma Schoonmaker, Thelma Schoonmaker um, has won three Oscars herself. Not too shabby. (laughs) Uh, She won for the departed. She won for the aviator. uh, And she also won for raging bull. It is his, he's used her for almost every single movie he's done. Again, creative people keep their people around. Correct. But I just wanted to shout out because I think that um, the the work of editing that was done to put everything together. It's almost like you're not watching a movie. Right. It's like you're looking at history or... and this is a very specifically now I I I I think Martin Scorsese is one of our most important living filmmakers. And if he wasn't in America. before this film, he for sure is now. Um but he is just a, such a fantastic storyteller. And it's 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 more than just him. It's it's it takes the whole but yeah, he just does such a great job. I don't know if you've seen such films such as um what was I gonna say? The Wolf of Wall Street comes to mind. I've only seen that in passing in very oh. weird scenes, so Oh <laughs> one of the ones I was to say For he just sure. he takes a lot of things, especially in these late stage Scorsese, he takes ideas of like 
religion, greed. Things we're not supposed to talk about. And and it's funny because there are some. On them. Yes, it definitely does. And sh- and then and in this case, the the very foundation of our country, where we're saying that we're this land of freedom, but what we've done to the people who were here to start out with. Oh yes, we erased them because we wanted to find it. We wanted to colonize it. And what makes me laugh are a lot of these online trolls that are, um, you know, kind of dinging the movie for being quote unquote too woke, who just don't know his work and thinks he's just this man who glorifies gangsters. I hope they have the day he deserves. Oh, cute story. I was in the bathroom directly after because this is a long movie, guys. Uh, my bladder was keeping score. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you needed to know that, but man, did I have to go. And I was in there, and two old women who were in the theater with us were just like, wow, we saw that Scorsese movie. And the other's like, like, Scorsese? And then she's like, I thought he was just about the gangsters. Now, while he does produce amazing gangsters, like you've seen Gangs of New York, I've seen both Goodfellas and Casino. Um, yeah, he he does more than just just that. Ladies in the bathroom. Um, so I want to go kind of performance by performance, and I'm gonna do a little bit of. I know what you're gonna say right now, or what would be fun to just say right now. Oh, I I one I, singular performance that was just a little. Well, out there, maybe. Oh, well, we'll get to that one. Uh, well, I want to do critiques later. Or just, just you know, musings and thoughts. But I, I really want to talk about the standout performance in this movie. And you would think with hard hitters such as Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, you would think... Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons as well. We even got John Lithgow. We'll talk a little bit about Brendan Fraser. But the standout, excellent performance, star-making, I would even say, of this film is Lily Gladstone. What did you think about Lily Gladstone? Like, what comes to mind of, 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 I know, besides, besides your, your thing of... Her reading the dictionary. Well, not only that, but you're like, okay, we just have to watch everything that she's ever been (laughs) in. That's very much how I am. I don't know everybody's name, but if I know your name, I'm going to watch everything you've ever been in. Right. So um, what, what what stood out? Why why did you love her performance? She's so captivating. She never had to raise her voice to get your attention. Oh, no. Which is something I really like. It fascinates me to watch. Um, just her eyes, so expressive. Um, her mannerisms just so like you know exactly like she's wearing her heart on her sleeve everything she does is for a purpose and it is perfection like I don't know if I've seen anything she's been in because I think I would have taken note even if she's just in the coffee shop, like she just something about her is just star quality. Um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned the De Niro DiCaprio um 
project that they worked together on very, very young in DiCaprio's life was a movie called This Boy's Life. And then it was Gangs of New York that DiCaprio's first film with Scorsese was. And it was De Niro never, ever says, like, you got to hire this guy. But for for him, he was yeah. like, you got to hire this guy. Um, I'm going to tell a quick... Oh, do you have something you want to say? I just wanted to mention a quick thing about um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, and we'll get for to once, him. It's not me, like, dunking on him. But right. it's so easy. He makes it so easy. Right. But he I is problematic. feel like he is such... Like, what makes him such a great actor? Maybe it's because he started really young, but he just knows how to take direction. Yeah, we you talked about that. Oh, we, we talked about they that. Didn't on, right, I know, I know. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying, like, behind the scenes, we talked about that on the way yeah. back. You were saying that he's just such, like, a moldable clay. Yes, just like Clayface would be jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell a quick Lily Gladstone story and then. Um, you're gonna find this. I I don't know if you know this. Uh, again, most of these things I find through IMDb, but this story is so good. Like our listeners need to hear this. So Lily Gladstone was in the process of registering for a a data analytics course, and in the process of entering her credit card information, when she got a Gmail notification that alerted her to a request for a Zoom meeting with Martin Scorsese. Well, just before registering for this class, so this was at the height of COVID, um, and she thought that her acting career was over. Um, And then according to DiCaprio, there was no audition. There was no reading. He, Martin Scorsese, did the interview and just said, that's the one. He said specifically, there's a truthfulness in her eyes that he saw even over a computer screen. And DiCaprio continues on, I've never known Scorsese to meet someone and immediately afterwards just have this gravitational pull and say, we have to cast this person. Let's not wait another minute. And that was the impression that Lily Gladstone had on Martin Scorsese. like. It was so, and you could tell in her performance, um, what would be fascinating to see, um, and she will get nominated, and we'll talk about Oscar Oscar bait <laughs> at the end, um, because this, this movie is definitely well, going to be, like, this will be, we will be discussing this movie in March, for we sure. We will be discussing this movie till the end of time. Well, I'm saying specifically for the Oscars race. Um, But I would be interested to know, like, the lines of dialogue that she had and how significantly less they were than a lot of her male counterparts. And that's not to say as a discredit to the screenwriters. It's more to say that she tells so much of the story with just a look in her eyes. I feel like the storm part was all her. Right. And we're like talking... something that she's experienced, grown up with, knows. So this wasn't acting for her. I mean, kissing Leonardo DiCaprio was acting, but... <laughs> and enjoying it. Kissing and enjoying it. Yeah. Eh. 
I mean, <laughs> um, and then just the 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 wonderful, um, and we talked about this on our way home. The flip, the reversal of how it usually is told, where it's this supposedly brilliant but troubled man who finds this beautiful but you know uh, vapid or unintelligent according to him woman that he just falls for and this is what she is the one who is she figures this all out uh even though she's afflicted with diabetes and she she there's a large part of the not a large but there's a segment of the film where a lot of it it takes place where she is dying um and she still knows that the the horrible atrocities that all these men made and that she knows when her husband is lying um her performance i love the courtship like you said the wonderful scene Long story short what i think you're aiming for is she's like boy is dumb but he's hot right well i think she actually says that it's <laughs> a line but i was gonna say um and she calls him a coyote a lot. Yeah, a coyote. Her sister Anna calls him a snake, and she's like, "No, it's coyote." Um, I love this. I love the, the. And she knows that she he wants her for her money, but not just her money. She's aware, right? White men just want money. Well, they're also aware that they are a rich, full, um, Osage-blooded family that is entitled to all of this money and she knows that anyone she any white man that she meets is going to want that but i was going to say i one of my favorite parts of the film is the courtship between her and ernest at the beginning when ernest drives her because women were not allowed to drive so they had to take taxis um but also nobody there drove they were chauffeured around yes well and that was a status. main thing yes. yeah yeah, none of the Native Americans drove. They all these white people were chauffeurs that were trying to advance in their class, including Ernest's character, who just who I feel like, he, even amongst his greed and his love for money and power, I feel like, and we'll get into his character next, really did love his wife, and I feel like that courtship, even though his uncle William tried pushing the courtship onto him and telling him about the, I feel like that um, ultimately when he is asked that question in court and asks if it was all just a plot to get her money, I feel that he was earnest and he was truthful and that ultimately he did really love her. Now I'm going to, you want to know what I was, what um something I picked up on. I don't know if it's fair or sure. not. But they really kind of made him sound like a man whore. And then he just is so taken by her that right. he never seems to stray. No, he does not. That is one thing you could say about him is he is oddly loyal almost to a fault. Yeah, which also comes to his uncle. Yes, because it becomes his so detriment. And so um, you spoke on it just a little bit because... Um, Another standout performance in this movie, amongst many others, is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Um, Do I love him? No. As a person, no. But he's very problematic. Man does some acting chops. Like, yes. 
it was nobody else could have done like nobody else sure somebody else could have played this role but what he brought to it could not be replicated i don't think and, without losing something and from a lot of the the interviews the few interviews that have been given because of the actor strike um you could tell he really along with martin scorsese was in love with this story in love with this role and felt it so important yeah you could feel that he was trying yeah like whether that be a sense of reparation or what he wanted to get this just right right and like i said he was key and instrumental to having the original eric roth screenplay rewritten from a thriller to more of like this um like moody um drama drama that's also a little bit biopic of like a, a yeah like a biopic of these osage people um and also kind of like a little bit of like a, a rumination on like what the unfortunate founding of america was truly like and he did so in such a way where it wasn't trauma porn yeah that's a very important thing it is devastating Which... and it's but it's devastating in an eye-opening way that really makes you sit there and just 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 i can't find the right word for it not consider but just not even ruminate, but help me out here. Just well, the thing I'm thinking of is sit in silence right. and just realize. Well, what is what is the term for sitting in silence and just like religiously, not praying, but meditation? Like, That's not what I would. Say. For me, I feel like it's a meditation it on is... because it goes deeper than just the surface level of the atrocities that these heinous people committed, I think it goes into the atrocities that America has done to their indigenous population. I feel like it's a slow spreading, like understanding and really like grasping at. Yeah, go on. Oh, I just, I had a thought. Like you're cutting me up. You know, um, just, Nobody knows the atrocities that went down. We all know how bad they are, but we're not the ones who lived them. You know who you should message is the your your friend from uh, the UK. I feel like she would love this movie. Yes, Carmela's got yeah, to you. You got Yeah, I know. We didn't even have her on talk about it again. Like yeah. I, I don't think this is the last time this will pop up. No, I think and then she'll. Hi, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I hope you guys you're listening. Um, but no, I feel like that she would love that because of the discussions we had about I the don't power. Know if they brought, I'm not sure if they got so much in the second um, take of our Reservation Dogs episode. I know we talked at length in the first one. Yeah, about I know race issues. Right. I'm not sure. If we I was gonna say so we 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 broached on the subject. Yeah. We didn't really expand upon it as much as we did originally before we had to re-record it. But it's. It's not dissimilar to a lot of the discussions we talked about. And, and I also um, mentioned that this has that same feel of the Reservation Dogs of Primo. It's not as upbeat. It's not right. the good side of things. 
but it's that telling the truth of a culture and what has happened at the hands of so white people. Just because we're on this topic, and I'd love to expand upon it. Um, I remember it offhand without even looking up. Devery Jacobs yes. is the the actress I, I was thinking of. Me, right? You did, yeah, yeah, it was perfect. And so I went from there, and I figured, oh, yeah. Devery Devery Jacobs, um, who is on Reservation and Dogs. Uh, and also part of the writer's room, and she's even directed an episode before. So not only is she in front of the camera, but she's behind the camera. Um, well, if anyone's had authority to speak on it, then it would be her. Be her so, and I know that it's hard for us to speak on it because we're not, not indigenous language, yeah. people. We're not a part of a minority group, and um, we're just a couple of white people on podcasts. But to your best uh from your specific viewing of it do you do you see any of those criticisms that they they launch towards it and most of it has just i don't see it from my perspective okay. but i do see that i it's almost unavoidable but I'm not sure what workaround could fix that. Like, I don't know if maybe we show none of the deaths. We only show the morning. Or we don't show the upper hand of the white people, only the repercussions. But I don't see a way to fully make this movie without without honoring what happened. I, so I'd be interested to read more about that and too. see what maybe their um, perspective what and... that could be. And I'm sure Scorsese would be more than open to talking right. about it. Especially because um, he seems like they're so near and dear to his heart. Well, the so story Scorsese really was. And uh, one of the things that Scorsese even did when right as he read it was he went to Chief Standing Bear, who is one of the leaders of the Osage Nation, and he, he begged and pleaded, like asked, asked, permission. asked permission for him to be able to film so the story. Like, he he obviously asked from the original author, because he took a lot of the, you know, it was real history, but before he even filmed it, he, he asked and pleaded the, before uh, he got permission so that he could do this. Um, one of the things I also want to mention is I think one of the things that saves this and makes it unique is it's not a story that is um that involves a white savior complex. It it not in so far as the positive like quote unquote positive way, right? Because you know that um William Hill thinks he's a white savior. Right. Look at all I've given these people, and these people are my friends. But I think it's a brilliant depiction of, like, how the white savior complex is the problem. It's so harmful. Right. Because guess what? It's just as harmful your neighbors spouting the N-word as the other person that says, well, there will be black people there. Right. You're so smart for a black person. Right. Or Asians are so good at math. Right. So women are terrible drivers, which is a different. It's not race, right. but it's it's another. Um, 
depress people. Yep. Um, yeah. So I definitely enjoyed that. Like the true evilness is he seems like the nicest guy. He would give you the shirt off his back, but then he'd bury you with it. Yeah. That's a very well said. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about DiCaprio's performance? I, 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 just a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. Maybe you could speak off of. I thought the interrogation scene between himself and the FBI, where he is kind of breaking down because he's realizing he's killing his wife. And he's sleep deprived. And Although they're not torturing him and beating him, like they said, but sleep deprivation is a form of torture. So we right. could, we could argue that. But there's uh, there's also the, the fly that's constantly bugging him. So my theory, I don't know if I'm right. Don't know if I'll ever know if I'm right. I feel like that fly is Anna. Right. Uh, fucking with him. Right. Because she always knew that he seemed like a good guy. A snake. But he is not. He's right. a snake. And he's in the sheep pen. Yeah. Or the chicken coop. Or... Insert any farm metaphor. Uh, I think the the performance he does when he gets the news that his his daughter died from whooping cough oh, yes. is incredibly done. I think the scene, the confrontation he finally has with his uncle uh, behind bars. I still want him to reach through bars and punch him. Um, and I think he does he does this in this performance specifically. This, um, oh gosh, it's like the void of all, it, it's so bare and emotional, but it's also very, um, I wouldn't say sympathetic. I would say it's very, yes, because you, I mean, like you it's know you hard. Never forgive him, but you're like, you're not the worst person he's ever. What's it called when it's like a raw, vulnerable? It's very, very vulnerable. Yes, that's a very beautiful way to do it. Very depict. raw. Yes, and I think this performance specifically really showcases that because it is at times a showy performance. But I know you said you thought the crying was showy. A little bit overacting. I don't because um, one, that would ha- be one having a child. I don't think. Anything you do could be overacting when you lose your child. Right. Um, but on the other hand, he had those grief sobs down. They weren't for the same reason, but I've been there. I've lived it. Very few people can hit on that. There's not even really tears at that point. It's right. It's just guttural. Yeah. It wasn't as good as um, Molly down in the basement after everything happened. Oh, yeah. When she lost yet another loved one. Yeah. But it was... Right after Leonardo DiCaprio told her not to leave the house. Right. Which makes him even more complicit than I think he was in that specific death. Because he just wanted them to get shot. Which just is still, you're obliterating them. Right. But he didn't want that. Right. And actually, one would argue, and I think maybe you did after Rita's death, he kind of woke up and was like, what am I doing here? Yes. Now, I thought he'd be a little... The sooner he'll turn to the other side. Right. But his uncle just got in too deep. Right. And we don't know the true extent of the trauma that he that has occurred while he was in the war. Right. Um, That's true. So I'm, that doesn't excuse a thing. No. But it kind no, of no, no. gives us a little 
insight into his character. Right. What kind of PTSD? Like, he seems very much like he wants love and he wants to be accepted, which is a very human thing. Also, being a former soldier, he's so used to taking orders. Yes. So not he really. doesn't think for himself. And I know they talk a lot like, you're not thick, are you? You know how to read, right? But and he's like, yeah, I know how to read. But um, I again, I love him taking the time to read that. Right. He didn't have to do that. No. But I think he it was because his uncle, of his love for Molly. His so yeah. That he much. wanted to learn. He learned the language. He Now, someone who learned the language for truly evil, and I would say that this man is one of the, I feel like, the most, one of the most devilish characters and the fact that to ever exist in cinema is Robert De Niro's... No, not cinema, life. <laughs> yeah, that's life. true, yeah, yeah. This is a big guy. Is uh, William King Hale. If I had a chance, I'd murder him on the spot. <laughs> I'd kill him as a baby, like, no qualms about it. And I think this is one of his, I think, uh, out of De Niro's, like, long and winding and wonderful acting career. I think this is one of his best and most devilish performances. Um, because he's so trusting. Right. He's so sweet. He knows the language. Manipulative. He says, I will make sure he's doing this he gets caught. He, he pledges money. This. Pledges money. Yes, it's just... So um, convincing, so gaslighting. He's just he's made for politics. Yes. Which is the thing you said. I know. It, to, I, you disagreed with me, and maybe some of the listeners can chime in, but, I'll continue to disagree, but it felt know. like his performance was very Trumpian. Uh, matter of fact, know. he even uses a line about how there's insurrections that, that go on in this situation. Oh, I think I was wondering that. That might have been right before the spanking scene. Possibly. Which, by the way, was real. They use a real wooden paddle that was real string. <laughs> but um Leo's like, you awoken something in me, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh a And then Quentin Tarantino's like put your foot out. Okay, yes. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um Oh really? Is that is that the case? Um I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't know. You are the writer. I am. Okay, you want to know the most unhinged writing idea I had today? What's that? When we walked out of Trader Joe's, you know those giant flower pots that go about chest level? You could definitely hide a body in one of those. You put some cinnamon brooms near the beginning. This is um, my material, guys. You can't have it. Um, you just did the little podcast audience. I did, but I said it's mine. Uh, but you DM. make sure there is a lot of isopods, springtails, and earthworms decomposed. And I bet you within a week, there'd be no more body. I feel like Jesse Plemons is going to show up at our doorstep at any moment. Well, we already said I would, I would say I committed a murder if he asked me because he's terrifying in every damn thing he's ever been in. Especially yeah. I'm thinking of anything. I do love, though... He wasn't bad in this role, but I'm still terrified. Of I think it was really cool that Leonardo DiCaprio kind of played a villainous, kind of pathetic character. And Jesse Plemons, who usually plays a, like an a, a evil person, kind of um, maybe was the hero of the movie. If it wasn't um, Molly. It was Molly. 
it was the Osage people. I don't think right. they can let a white person be the hero. Well, I, I'm just saying because of he was they, the lesser of all of the evils. He was the lesser of all the and even some of the things that they did was I bet his um it was his idea to sleep deprived and not let him sit. Oh, you That's mean Jesse Plemons specific? At least as far as Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I also love, and this is a very, very small part of it, but I, I love when they get um, those agents, and one of those is a Native American oh, yes, kind of that gets, gets into the community, and that was played by Tatanka Means, and that was uh, Agent John Wren. And he, like, it was really cool the way that they utilized the agents in the community because it Which wasn't. Reminds me of Dark Wind, which we haven't seen all of. Right. But I do know that the premise is um, an indigenous person joins the FBI to kind of solve the crime. Right. Um, and then the uh, the other thing that's really funny. Uh, like, there's not a lot of humor in this film. I feel like there's a lot more humor in most other Scorsese. But I think he highlights just how incompetent a lot of the crime was. Mm -hmm. Like, when one of the characters goes to the bank and tells them that they're going to adopt the children and then kill them. Oh, they didn't spell it out, but they did. They, they spelled it out. They didn't. Spell it out like I am going to kill my children. No, but they agreed to it after like the the legal? bank teller says, "What you're selling me is you're asking is if you adopt the children, if you adopt your own children and kill them, are you entitled to their money?" And the criminal literally goes, "I'm not going to do that, but if I were to do that, is that legal?" Just to show, just like the level of. Depravity. And in like depravity, greed, and we're just dealing buffoons here, right? Like they only not... got one brain cell. That they all share. They alternate. Also, for a time that's really not supposed to have alcohol, this movie has so much. Right. I think this was just after they lifted the prohibition. I thought they said something like, "Don't be seen with it." No, he says not to be seen with it because of natural polite society. Oh, okay. Um, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of prohibition, but um, one of the most striking scenes to me is when he's in the barbershop and they all, maybe not a barbershop because there was a pool table. Oh, you were right. Prohibition from 1920 to 1933. So yeah, they were not supposed to be drinking. Now I wonder if it was because it was on also hiding the moonshine. Right. She had whiskey. But I get it sounds like mead was legal since it's based off of honey and you could buy it in the grocery store. I also wonder if it was a situation of because it was on Native American land. Oh, it's kind of their thing. That they were allowed to purchase and sell alcohol. I don't think so. Because it seemed very like it was like definitely a very... luxury item, and uh, obviously one of the ones. And alcoholism is another um, disease that really plagues um, indigenous people on reservations. Right. Because, like, um, 
was his name Henry, her first husband, where they got married as teenagers? Right. Um, the one that they tried convincing with suicide, even though they shot him from the back. Yeah, he Again, was, incompetent uh, criminals. He was afflicted with melancholia. Yes, that's what they called melancholia. it. Depression. Melancholia. Yeah. Depression. Um, but... Uh, I also want to shout the out... Doctors were the worst. Oh, yeah, they were. And they weren't implicated into anything, even though that they were definitely... Not even for the drugs. We're not talking about the them chopping them up into little pieces and opening them up during the autopsy. Yeah, for Anna. Yeah. Which, so that they can get rid of as much of it as possible. But then they also supplied and tried to kill Maul. They probably would have killed... Molly. If the if, if Jesse they, character didn't go get there first. No, 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 no. I would say that they would have killed Molly if they were the ones insisting on the injections. Oh, yeah. Because she right away, when they come over to inject her with the insulin, and this is back when insulin was very first, so this is just how much money these people had. Mm -hmm. And she was one of, like, maybe... It's a whole other thing, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, I was going to say that I feel like the, those doctors would have killed her and that's why she wanted him to administer it, even though he obviously actively is poisoning his own wife. And by he, I mean, uh, Ernest. Yeah. I but, don't know on how many occasions he did, but it looks like the supply was getting bigger. But she knew. Or the dose was increasing. But she knew that he wouldn't end her life. Yeah. She, but these two doctors would, and we find out that they're never implicated. Let's talk about the owl theory. Oh, okay. It's so beautiful. Yes. I don't care which one of us says it. Um, just when they're about to die. Well, who brings it up again? Uh, Lizzie. Which is of the mother, the mother in the matriarch, yeah. And she prefers Anna, even though Anna also wants white men. But um, I guess she loves that wild spirit of hers, so um, she definitely chooses favorites. She doesn't really seem to care for. So how um, does the owl come into play? The owl comes into the doorway and then flies in, and then that's when you know death is on the way. And that's what the mother says, right? Yes, and then she sees the owl just as it seems like he may be giving her a lethal dose. Who does again? Um, Leo. Leo sees the owl? No. Molly sees the owl. Oh, Molly sees as, the owl. Um, Ernest is giving her the meds. Right, yes. And you're like, oh. She also sees at one point, and we're not sure if it's real or it's just a vision, she sees William uh, I was terrified he was going to offer. Me too. Even though I know he doesn't get his hands dirty, I thought that out of desperation, he was going to do it. Because she, she wants that money. Not only that, but she was actively trying to get an investigator to go and investigate the murders, which he was doing. Yeah. And didn't want to happen. And so, uh, matter of fact, part of that whole scene in which De Niro is spanking um, DiCaprio is. Oops. He's yeah, shouting at him to get his house in order because, uh, again, the men at the time and probably even some men today felt that he was not controlling his wife to stop her from finding an investigator and actually yeah. 
figuring out what's going on. Um, two quick shout outs that you would not believe are also in this movie. Uh, we have John Lithgow as the prosecuting attorney who uh, is terrific. I think he's he was made for this role. He was made for this role. His voice alone um, just does wonders for it. And then we have possibly like this is our wild card performance. <laughs> there's like those those jokes about like I did my job, I did my job, and then there's Brandon Brandon Fraser who's Brandon. like Brendan, sorry, actually <laughs> my brother, um, Brendan Fraser who's just like I was here. Yeah, it was so drugs had to have beyond drugs. And now we love that Brendan Fraser is in this movie. He's amazing. Get I'm your so bag. Excited. Get your bag. Work with Scorsese. Like, this is great. Film. He was, yeah, he was on the top. After, um, here, De Niro or DiCaprio. I thought Lily Gladstone was. No. She wasn't second? Oh, that's so sad. I know. She should be first or second. Anyway, yeah. we have to watch it just, I, one of the things, one of the nerdiest things about me is I love, I'm obsessed with Billings. Yeah. Like, I love knowing who's the with, who's the and. Um, but no, there's none of that. But uh, so, but Brendan Fraser, uh, so glad he was in it. A lot of fans were very happy he was in it. But yeah, his perform he was in a different movie. Like, it, it, there's no other explanation. Like he was on Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, it was almost like he watched one Martin Scorsese movie. That was Wolf of, Wolf of Wall Street. He's like, I'm going to do a bunch of quaaludes. And here's my performance. And it's it's just my OBJECTION! Is, where did he find the Quaaludes? I think they're pretty much done though now. They're, I mean they're they're Martin Scorsese's trailer. <laughs> so they work. Um I did want to mention one more thing on the owl. Thing. Sure. Yeah. It isn't directly owl, but when Lizzie dies, you see um other elders take her away and it's so gorgeous. Yes. It's so beautiful and it's like it takes a sting out of that grief. And then when she takes the hairbrush and puts it, Molly puts the hairbrush, she has her daughter with her, her surviving daughter, and they put the hairbrush in the um, river with matching attire. And I think, I think, um, is there any other characters you wanted to speak on? So, no, because if I do, we're, this is going to be longer than the movie. At some point, we've got to stop saying, like, I, I don't think this is the only podcast we will do on this, and maybe not even the only two podcasts. We will. There is so much to digest. It's three hours and 25 minutes of cinema masterpiece. Like, it is so good. I did not expect to like it, and then as soon as it started, I was in love. I do want to add that one of the things that I find so um, one, of, one of the best things about those movies was just the amount of uh, Native Americans who were hired to be in front of the camera. I can't speak on as much of people behind the camera, but you see so many faces. I feel like looking so many. through the list, it was definitely That's yes. good. But especially in front of the camera, there's so many like faces and they were so unique to this film and so many 
people that he hired from the Osage Nation. They shot on location in Oklahoma. And that really, you could see it so well. Um, We talked a lot about the, the impact of the story. One of the things I wanted to say were some of the visuals that stood out to me. The scene where William burns down his farm to collect the insurance money and just the, the, the insurance the, guy is just like what? he just took out a load. What? And then the guy our but, our buddy, the um indigenous um FBI agent yes. is like, Well, you gotta work tomorrow and he takes a drag from his cigarette. Yeah. But I wanted to just point out just the uh the unease of that scene, the way it was done through like the way it was shot was just so gorgeous. The horses the fire made me so nervous. Um, the the people just like it's almost like the environmental impact that white people have done to that lands exactly. is depicted it's within that just, one shot. It's not just like the buffalo. It's not just that. It's global warming. It is right. Like, just it's all climate change. It's deforestation. It's extinction. Like what they're doing specifically to their land. They're, yes, they're torching it. And all of this. It's extinction level at, at some point. Yeah. We're not going to be here. Um, so some other visuals that stuck out. I love the the eyes of the children looking into the especially the one that was so big, it was so zoomed in. You're talking about in the right at the beginning, right? Yes. Uh, I love the slow motion capture of when they go out and the oil springs free. Yes. Um, <laughs> I loved. Um, a lot of the, the just beautiful landscape shots that they would have. I love when all of them erupted sobbing for um, one of the funerals. Yes. Like one person went, and then everyone just. I also. Like, it's not the it's not the Western idea of like follow it up. Tears are shameful. Like you're honoring your loved your fallen loved ones. Um, I love the uh, the explosion shots. That was done from the bedroom where it was blown out mm-hmm. into that, where the sound was incredible for that scene as well. Now, there's only one thing that I feel like this movie kind of lacked, and it's not, it wasn't about this, so I understand, but food is so significant to culture. Right. And it was really like, there was no feasting, like, I love to see that. Right. So it's more personal. Like it's it's not a negative thing. It's just like I love to know what somebody. Well, I think a lot of this movie also like takes. They do eat, but it's you don't really know it. I think a lot of this movie also takes place where it's the act of robbing of their culture mm-hmm. and the impact of that throughout that oh, movie. Like but if I, I could just continue, just with the visual specific things. Um, I also really loved the the last shot was was so beautifully done with all the flowers and and they're panning out of the dancing right and the rhythmic drums in the middle and center. Now I don't think that this might be the most visually stunning um, direction that Scorsese did. I feel gorgeous. like it was very gorgeous and considered, and it really stayed with the measured tone of the seriousness. In which he wanted to tell this story. Yeah, I think it only lasted twice. Yeah. Maybe once. It was, and it wasn't like a ha ha. It was just like wow. Right. It might have been Brendan Fraser. 
Um, I also love, I just want to mention one last visual. Oh, no, it was when the guy said he was going to kill his children. I was just like, really, guys? Yeah, that's why I was saying it was probably the darkest humor I've ever seen. Um, but the last visual thing, if I could bring up, was when Ernest walks in and he's oh. with his uncle and his uncle's property. But there was all those faces and they were all white. And it, they were playing the victim. They were saying that the uncle, you know, you're sentencing him to death. But it was just like this whole like, like, you know, versus the courtroom where you had all these Native Americans who were were dying. They were the real victims. And then you walked in and like they were all I, I was I was like I almost gasped because of just it, it was just like a like a painting almost That's the way it was terrible. done. Like not so comparison. But that scene brought the same like sort of ominous feeling as when um and like I say I hate to mention it because JK sucks. Horrible person. She's a dirty turf. Who's JK? JK Rowling. Okay. The person who did the Harry Potter series. But you know when they go to the Ministry of Magic and it's been taken over by Voldemort? It's just that like feeling when you enter the room and it's not how it should be. Something right. It's an unease. Yes. It's like, um yeah, the the why are these the ones in charge? They're not supposed to be the ones in charge. Because they're invading their... T- it's like the invasion has happened. Yes. Like, these people... It's not that we're fighting an invasion. They're already here. It's about to be demolished between the termites. Right. It's, yeah. Right. It's not savable. You can't tend it. Um... I... Don't really have much more to add to the movie. Um, at least on this discussion of it. Uh, it's like if you haven't heard us wax poetically about it mm-hmm. by now and we haven't convinced you or um, please, this is such an importance. And go see it. He'll have a special message for you at the beginning. Oh, yeah, that was that really was sweet. What did you think about the decision? Oh. So this is just a silly aside. Okay. But for the first like 10 minutes of the movie, I was not convinced it wasn't Martin Scorsese because he and De Niro look pretty similar. Yeah, they're old white men with glasses. Yeah. Alright, so what did you think about their decision to end with a radio drama to tell the after the story? I adored it. It was really unique, right? And it was almost just like a slight breath of like like that slight exhale because after such an intense story but yet like you know you would still be so stressed if you were there. Because, like we were saying, the uh, the story really ends. The story of Ernest, the story of Molly, the story of William, it really ends when that final confrontation at the, I guess, like in a courthouse um, room where she goes in, she asks Ernest, were you poisoning me? And even after he just said it felt so good to tell the truth on the stand, my he, soul is laid bare. It's clean now. He could not be honest with the fact that he poisoned her. And that's and what, does what she ultimately do? lost her. Well, what does she do? She turns leaves. She turns and leaves. She doesn't say anything. She does. She just asks one question. 
doesn't yell at him, doesn't, she just turns lead, she knows it's over. And then after that, it's followed by the, it, 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 it's almost like your older movie, not older, older, but movies beforehand, what would happen is you would scroll through the credits and during the credits or just before it, you would have the black screen that comes up and it, in all white letters or yellow letters, it would say what happens to the rest of the characters. But instead, it ends Yeah, this was a very inventive um, way to do that. Finishing touch. Um, it was also really a good way to kind of add to the the injustice that was done because like they, now it's a tawdry crime story versus the lived experience of right. higher people. You could you could argue that it's a little bit removed emotionally from it, uh, but I would say because we're told what's happened, especially by the director, the person who the you know filmmaker of this movie. Um, he reads her obituary. He reads you know Molly's. What, what's so sad is in the movie early on, they tell you most um, Native people don't make it past 50, and she only made it to 50. Yeah. And yet he was, what, 80 in a nursing home? Yeah. And he kept visiting these people. He was like a curse that wouldn't leave. Yeah, we're talking about William, right? Yes, so I'm sure that he, like, the relief that those people felt when he was gone right. was, like, they probably have a celebration for that. <laughs> I hope so. I also think it was amazingly powerful that they included the uh, the Tulsa Massacre. Yes. Uh, obviously, there is a fair amount and of there's also racism in this movie. Plan parade right and you do not see him at the same time so i convince he's wearing a hood okay. if he's not the clan master about himself. william right yes yeah um but yeah there is a sh uh, uh, a large degree of, of racism in this movie and also anti-semitism because oh, yeah. they call um because they're greedy a derogatory they're saying wow you're such a jewish person because of the greed. you like money right and it's like, uh, no. Oops. Good eyes there. But yeah. Um, great, great movie. Fantastic. Amazing message. Give me Full a rating out of story. 10. Listen, I'm going to be really like crazy here and say 10. Like, I don't know what could have made it better. Um, the casting the look of it, the fact that it felt half the time that it took to finish the movie. Um, yeah, 10 out of 10. Um, and then you're critical, so you'll give it a 9 point something. No, I think I'd probably give it a 10. Well, you hear, heard it here, folks. It got two 10s. I'd give two. We're harsh graders. I give way more than I. I give two Scorsese movies a 10. I give Goodfellas a 10, but for very different reasons. And I give Killer's Flower Moon a 10 because I think um, the performances were incredible. I think Norton's story was incredible. I think it looked incredible. And I think that this is a movie that will go down as like one that might even foundationally tell the true story of America. I also hope that this spawns many more retellings like this. Right. Where the, the stories of Indigenous people. Indigenous or people, people are not the only people who have been. No, not to you. Just oh. there's so many stories to be told. Right. 
uh, who couldn't be told at that time. Yes, and it'd be like, so great. Like, we could see, like, instead of 10 years of slave, we could see this. Right. Or, like, instead of Uncle Tom's cabin, we could see this. Yeah. So a lot of minority stories that weren't told properly could finally get their but we light do, of day. We do see that this is happening slowly but surely. We've got Primo. We've got Reservation Dogs. We've right. got Flowers the, of the Killer Moon. We are making strides. Right. And the more you watch these, the more you support these, the more they will know this is what makes money and money talks. Money talks, yeah. Money's always talked. Money will probably always talk. So from a very important discussion to a much less important discussion, but something I'm constantly obsessed with. Let's just end oh, it on how this. How much it costs to make No, it. no, no, no. Oscar talk. What, who do you think gets nominated? What do you think is the possibility? Um, what okay. do you think? Lily, is her name? Lily Gladstone for Lily Molly's Gladstone. performance. Best actress, right? Lady woman, yes. Now... I wouldn't put her in supporting. You'd put her in lead, right? Lead. Okay, me too. Now, do you do you think DiCaprio gets lead? I'm not saying winning. I'm saying does he get nominated? I think both he and De Niro get it, and but De Niro I think supporting. De Niro supporting. No, for lead, he's a lead. They're not going to put him as lead. I'm just saying they're not going to. I would because like they're to, not going to want to. I would like to see Jesse Plemons as a supporting. That would be really cool. Um, now, I know it was a brief role, but supporting, I would like to see Anna as supporting. That would be fantastic. And I think that she I should. I think costuming should count. Um, music, very good. You really like the score? The yes. So that was, I think, done by Robbie I Robertson. Like the, score. <laughs> that, the score was done by Robbie Robertson. And the end, where they have the live orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he also did the music for that, too. Um, he's done some of um, Scorsese's last couple of movies. But it really had a large range of music in it. Yeah. There is not as much. You, you got to watch some of the other Scorsese because no, that's one of the was, things he does. There was indigenous music. Yes. There was bluesy, jazzy. A lot of the um, music also was interesting because it was for the specific time. Yeah. Like, he didn't use a lot of anachronistic music. Yeah. Um. So, costume department, that was done by Jacqueline West. I also love when they are just dancing in the street. Which she's never won, but she had been, uh, she did Dune. She did Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which, again, fantastic costuming. Uh, I think the film editor, Thelma Shoemaker, 100%. I think um, the... I will say- Cinematographer Rodrigo Frito. This has nothing to do with the um, Oscars. Okay. But well, tangentially it does. Okay. Um, I've never watched a film that made me forget the last films I've seen, and that's just like it was like the Men in Black mind wipe, where I'm just like, what have I seen that's not Killers of the Flower? Flower? <laughs> Oh my gosh, this title, guys. I've done so well, but I'm just like... Yeah, we're also almost on an hour and a half on yeah. this. 
Uh, we're almost done. So I think. And I normally don't start out with like reading a bit because that makes yeah. your mouth feel funny when you're reading versus when you're talking because like we could talk for a while. Yep. Especially then. <laughs> uh, I think. And then uh, the, the three actors would be really interested. So Anna would be an interesting one. Uh, Anna played by. Sorry, I just want to make sure I get all these. Uh, Cara Jade Myers. I'd really love it if Tantu Cardinal, who plays the mother, even though it's very brief, I think she has quite impactful scenes. Uh, I love the scene where she just stares at DiCaprio when he walks into the door. We could reimagine Castle Rock. I think she would make a fantastic grandmother. Oh, yeah, I see. Instead of Sissy Spacek. Right. And I love Sissy Spacek, but I just her demeanor, just, I would love it. Yeah. Um, also, that's a fun little thing I like to do, is, like, do recasting. What I do, like... Yeah. You, um, I definitely think the three leads, uh, although they're not going to put Daenerys as a lead, because they're not going to want to have someone against, because they're going to want to have DiCaprio win. Yeah, I would think more They want De Niro to, to get nominated for support. They would like more nominations. And I even I wouldn't be surprised. I think the two going back into nominations, I think if we're talking about like who really has a chance to win, I think it's gonna be interesting to see the race. I think I think Lily Gladstone has it for lead actress in the bag. Oppenheimer didn't have women, so that was one of the critiques. And I think that there are less critiques of the way this film handled that than I think Oppenheimer did. And I really loved Oppenheimer. Yes, it was very evenly um, based, I would say. Like, right. Very... And it's... um, And they didn't hide behind the fact of, well, it's a period piece, because this was a period piece too, mm-hmm. but it gave a lot of female perspectives. Matter of fact, the only time that we get a monologue, and that's one of the most famous things, of any Scorsese movie is hearing what the inner dialogue is of the character is with Lily Gladstone. Yes. Which I thought was such a cool and effective way to do it when she's explaining the effect of the white people on her mm-hmm. people. Um, so I think that the, the really... Is that what she's talking about going to Colorado Springs? That was... No, she actually vocalizes that to DiCaprio. No, but I she says, I have a... Okay. So. okay. I would have to rewatch it. Yeah. But I'm talking about the when she um it's kind of behind her eyes and then she's walking through the train station mm-hmm. and she's the looks that all of these people are white people are giving her yeah. about how like it's almost like this hatred, this greed, um, and about how like it's affected her. Um Oh, how she closes up her heart. Right. And right. special things in the box. So um very much brings to light like we're going back and do it. <laughs> you can never erase what was done. I just want to wrap the Oscars thing and then head out because, like I said, we could have and a three-hour and 30-minute conversation. I'm so hungry this whole time. But... So I think that Lily Gladstone has it in the bag. I think the film editor possibly does. It might be an interesting fight between her and the person who did film editing for Oppenheimer. I think De Niro and... Uh, it's going to be really interesting him against um, another Robert. Um, Pattinson? No. Is he a Robert? 
our oh. our Iron Man. Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. I think they're both gonna be up for supporting. And it's gonna be interesting to see. I feel like Joe's fan favorite will give it to Robert. Me too. Downey. But I think I think De Niro might have been better. I would say leaps and bounds better. I and did I like, like Downey's as a person. So you don't like De Niro as a person? He's a racist. De Niro? Isn't he? Robert De Niro, didn't he? I thought he was bad. So sorry, don't take this. Please don't anyone take this. And doesn't I? I, Not to say that this is this excuses it. Maybe don't say anything. Okay, (laughs) I'll I'll say off mic. Okay, off mic. Um, And then wrong. Can you look up real quick? I thought he went on a little racist tirade. No, I I don't think that's correct. Um, so let's let's not talk about it at all. I'm just saying, no, no, no. I'm I'm not checking. I'm sorry. I'm just not. That's not for us to to do. It's not. We're just, we're gonna move on. We'll talk about it off mic. Um. But the other interesting one will be a Cillian Murphy against Leo for lead actor. I'll look it up. What what specific term do you want me to use? Okay. You want me to put in Robert De Niro racist question mark? I can edit this out if it's not. I just or was it he's super anti-COVID vaccine? No. Uh, He has six biracial children. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. But. I know. Uh, I hear this is the three things that pop up. Robert De Niro opens up about raising six biracial children. Robert De Niro's racial first lady joke was no was an Obama no no. Um, Robert De Niro says Trump is a real racist, a white supremacist. Uh, Robert De Niro talks racial tension in the U.S. as the dad of six biracial kids. I, I don't know who this person was. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. This this no, could all be in here. No, oh, okay. Oh, okay. But please don't delete the other conversation. No. Okay. Um, but so, like I was saying before you got upset. Um, don't say that. Didn't you get upset? Or not leaving it in the podcast. Okay, okay. So I was saying that the other actor race that's compelling is um, going to be Cillian Murphy against DiCaprio. Yeah. Which I think Cillian Murphy's performance was a lot more understated. You know what? I think we are using the film as a whole to judge DiCaprio's performance to the point where I think Cillian Murphy should get it. Huh. I think, but okay. So this is your perfect, perfect matchup because they're both based on real people. Right. So it's not the same version of acting in your opinion. I know. <laughs> as according to a minisode, what is acting? Right. Which one of our most popular ones? I think. It may be, and also, I won on that one. So. But I was fine with adding more categories. Right. Um. So, and then I think ultimately this definitely gets nominated for Best Picture, and I think the two front runners for Best Picture right now are Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. 
And what I think, I think Oppenheimer is going to wind up winning a lot of the technical awards. He can also make have so much fun leading up to the Oscars. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, he makes, um, I don't know how many years now, he's made the I think Oscars, it's the three years the in a row. Oscar bingo. It'll be his fourth year. And, like, we've had a Steven Spielberg film festival where he puts trivia up. Yeah. Like, it's I'm a lot a of fun. We really like this. Like, we do it for a reason. It's definitely a labor of love. Um, so finally, uh, I think that what winds up happening is screenwriting. I bet this wins best adapted, um, which it would go up against Oppenheimer because it's adapted from the book. Yeah, it was, but I feel like that this was better written. I think that also more impactful. Yeah. Like we said, important. I feel like Scorsese won't win for direction. Because I feel like Oppenheimer was done more beautifully and was a lot more technically difficult. Yeah, visually it was more stunning. And but I feel like that but if if we're talking about if we're talking about like as a complete miss, a complete film, I feel like Killers of Flower Moon right now is in the running. But how do you how do you compete with an atomic bomb? A giant explosion. I don't know. And no. the like now, obviously, this is without certain other movies coming out yet. Like, I think Ferrari is going to get a lot of run. The Michael Mann movie that we I saw. Am so shocked. So shocked that I want to see that. Um, Make a joke. No joke. No. Please. Oh, Adam Driver is the lead vroom, vroom. for. Um, I just know Luke's going to complain that it's not a Lamborghini. Uh, we haven't seen Napoleon yet. Napoleon is going to be a Ridley Scott movie oh. that has Joaquin oh, Phoenix alien. in it. Yes. Uh, we haven't seen Zone of Interest yet. Um, it is a very fascinating premise. It's a movie about a family that grows up next to a concentration camp. It is, it is deep. Another hard one. Yeah. Um, we also haven't seen. I'm very, very much looking forward to, um, this one movie, uh, that's going to be coming out soon. Um, oh gosh, it uh, it features one of my favorite directors, and that is um. Yorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos, and it has um, oh, what's her name? Oh, Emma Stone in it. Oh wow! Uh, it is called Poor Things, uh, which from film festivals it already has a super high rating. Uh, so I'm interested to when see. Is available to I don't know. I don't know when it comes out. Uh, I'm assuming probably closer to December. So I can't wait till that comes out. I want to see that. So, so December is the one that gets December's hot, full of really cool movies. Yeah. Um. So I think that pretty much ends our discussion on this movie for now. Obviously, when Oscar stuff comes up, uh, we might even do a retrospective on 
uh, the career of Martin Scorsese because it's long enough to have at least 10 to maybe even 20 possible movies of... of... see the look I just gave <laughs> I'm like, Ken, okay, I'm psyched. I'm you sure like we could it? we could break it down to a Hall of Fame of, of maybe about 10 to 12 of the most essential ones. Uh, because we haven't even, I haven't even mentioned like Shutter Island is well, another one. We'll be so excited to rewatch. Um, obviously, I have he a deep really love. Source material based on yes, he does. Oh, he's very good at adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a terrific story. He knows a good story and knows how to tell it for the the, the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a common ally in all his work. Um, so um, with that, all that being said. You know, shout out to the listeners for going through, listening to all this. Please give this movie a chance. Go watch it in the movie theater. You want... The problem is, when you watch it at home, what's going to happen is, you're going to break it up into multiple parts. We're going to pause. You're going to... Yeah. Popcorn. I need to go to the bathroom. It's going to interrupt you. You're going to be on your phone. Take the trash out. The dog needs to be watched. This requires... I sound like more association. Three hours and 25 minutes of your time uninterrupted, sitting down, really absorbing this. It is that important of a movie. Um, dare I say film. Yeah. Um, so, you know, shouts to directors who do stuff like that, like Martin Scorsese, just amazing pioneers of American cinema, still doing it also, we're definitely in his late age. Oh, yeah, we want to what we did. And I'm going to seek out the best true crime um, Yeah podcast that I can on this because I normally listen to my favorite murder but they're very surface level fun like comedy podcasts um you probably know but <laughs> if you listen to podcasts but I am so interested and I just want to know everything that I can know about this so thank you to Martin Scorsese for making it so right be so accessible to everybody as accessible as a three hour and 20 minute movie to be right um and thank you again to the listeners who stuck with us all the way through. Uh, uh, we'll be doing, um, after this release, our next podcast should feature uh, our draft of the horror movies, I believe. Are we not doing the Supernatural? Well, we could break down that one, too. Um, we might do that, too. Yeah. We'll talk more that off mic. That one is the... It's both of them together. Combined. Yes, creature features and super. And then our draft, and then November. Maybe that's when we'll, we'll start our Scorsese. Right. There's also lots of TV we and need to catch TV, up on. Absolutely. Um. Apparently, Lily is in six episodes of Billions, and that's kind of been on our to-watch list. So I think the next two TV series that aren't current, I'd like to watch is Billions and Darklands. Darklands is a definite must. And, um, yeah, I'm going to be consuming everything I can about this. And now, if you have any thoughts, you want to say, like, you want to know more about the movie that maybe we haven't touched on, anything you want to say to us, uh, send it to fanofapodcast at gmail.com. And then, if you want to recommend a movie, TV and movie rec. R-E-C-S at gmail.com. We've also started a Patreon. I will these are all that. brand new, right? Yes, these are all brand new and kind of linked to our Patreon. 
We will also be making, a, I've already made it, but a VIP email, um, which will include you being shouted out on the podcast, um, one-on-one discussions with us. Um, maybe we will live tweet your favorite movie with you or your favorite show with you. Um, I've recently reinstated our Twitter page to do just that. And that might even be like, I'm just watching an episode of something and I just shoot it off real fast. Like, just as a little companion. Because again, this is just like what we like to do. It's fun. So that's all I 100%. have. Um, yeah, that's all I have today today as well. Uh, thank you so much for I'm ordering pizza. <laughs> thank I you. Get yes. Luke will be so happy in school. Um, I. Uh, so if you want to end the podcast, what's your pizza order? Can we get you anything? Um, I'm paying for their pizza orders. <laughs> Pepsi when they don't offer Coke. Another mini sub shout out. That is a mini sub shout out. Alrighty. Well, um, as always, it was an absolute pleasure to discuss this. I really want to hear from you guys. So um, email us, message us. I'm very available. Um, we would love to hear from you. We'll make time for 